For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Really excited about this one because we're going to be talking about 49ers rookies who could make the biggest impact on the team in 2022. Uh, very true, Anthony. Uh, that's, that's what we're talking about today. That's what, that's what we got going on is which rookies, uh, how big of an impact, um, small impacts, major impacts, uh, huge, gigantic uh, leaps for the offense and defense. Or uh, maybe, maybe nobody. Maybe maybe well, someone in this room feels like nobody. I'm not. I'm just joking. I obviously feel there's someone out there. But maybe the TCC feels like it's nobody. We're maybe. gonna find out. We're gonna find out. We're, we're gonna yeah. see a lot of conversations today. Yeah. What's crack a lacking? I see. What's cracking from uh, Cali Young? What's crack a lacking? I know. What's crack a lack a lack a lack a. I saw someone say something about pants earlier. I got SpongeBob on the brain now. Man. I got it, I got ripped pants. It, it was Gary because yeah. Gary's going with shorts. That makes sense. Yeah, because Gary just, does I just, the shorts. I saw I saw pants and thought ripped pants and I don't. It's, it's the blue. It was the blue pants. <laughs> I thought the ripped pants episode from SpongeBob. So thanks for that, Gary. I really. Really don't appreciate. I'm serious. I, I'm just joking. I, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, but Ant, yeah, rookies impacts TCC in the comment section right now. You're you're live chatting away. Make sure that you're putting who you think those rookies are because we can get to some of them as we're discussing. And who knows? Maybe you feel the same way about us. But Ant, who's the first rookie on your list that you're looking at? Going, I think this gentleman has the opportunity to make the biggest impact. I, I think the one that just, I mean, is right on the tip of my tongue every single time I'm wanting to talk rookies is Danny Gray. 
Uh, Danny Gray's potential to be able to go out there and stretch the field is something the 49ers have been looking for. Travis Benjamin has, was a guy the 49ers were using uh, to do that last year and kept him on the field. I was talking to Chapman earlier, and we were talking about that exact thing, Travis Benjamin being on the field in Week 18, and why? You know, Well, it's because he could stretch the field. The threat of the deep ball is something that the 49ers wanted within their offense. He's tried it with Marquise uh, uh, Goodwin. Ooh. Yep. I almost went with Brown. I almost so, went with Green. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with all that. But, yeah, Marquise Goodwin was the guy. You know, Then it was Travis Benjamin. They've been looking for this deep threat, and I think they found it with Danny Gray. I think it's going to be a fantastic player to add to this offense because not just is he going to be able to take the top off the defense, but he runs really good routes, and he catches the ball without slowing down. Those are going to be things that Kyle Shannon is going to be able to open his offense. If you go into the Cowboys game in the wild card, you see Travis Benjamin catching a crossing route and getting out of bounds. You're like, wait, 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 why is he on the field? And why is he catching crossing routes? I think Danny Gray is going to be able to do a lot of big time things in this offense. Look, I think the biggest thing with, with this name specifically is how much he fits into the offense and how much I think Kyle Shanahan has now, since his time in San Francisco, been trying to find that Taylor Gabriel-esque player to replace with. Gabriel in that offense, with the routes with the routes and the schemes and the weapons that he had around them in, in Atlanta, Gabriel was kind of the perfect fit. A guy who could run great intermediate routes, middle of the field, was really good at creating separation, um, but wasn't a true number one wide receiver. That's not, that's not what his skill set was. He was just a guy who ran great routes, who was undersized and very speedy. Now you bring in Danny Gray, a guy that some people consider to be undersized because he's not the huge, big, wide receiver target, Anthony, yeah. not the 6'2", six, 6'3", six, frame that everyone wants. But what you do get is the speed and the route running and the ability to run the middle crossers and take the deep shots and take the top off the defense. He's been looking for this. You talked about it with Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin was the name that they brought in. He brought into San Francisco and was really working with, right? He was keeping this guy around, was making him wide receiver one, the feature guy, because he was trying to eventually turn him into that slot connoisseur when he built out the rest of the roster. Goodwin didn't end up being that. So Kyle has constantly been tweaking, making adjustments, bringing in different names, bringing in different receivers, trying to find that guy. It was the, the Travis Benjamin experiment last year. Right? We saw Kevin White get brought in as well, another former speedy yeah. wide receiver getting brought into San Francisco. They have tried this with a lot of no-name guys, veteran guys, trying to bring it in to recapture that formula, and he hasn't found it. So, okay, you can't recapture the formula by bringing in vet guys or guys who are already in the league that have that speedy presence, then let's go find the guy who checks all those boxes, adds the speed, draft that guy, and see what he is in this offense. I think he, I think he's the one that could have the biggest impact right. like in terms of what that, what that impact could actually translate into, whether that's points, big receptions, touchdowns, whatever, big plays. I think he has the, the most potential for home run hitting, home run hitting potential in-game of every rookie they drafted this year, which is crazy to think because I think Drake Jackson has the most upside of all the guys they drafted at certain spots in terms of what he could eventually be in the system. Yeah, you're right. You know, and Drake Jackson's the number one pick in their, you know, in their draft class. Of course, 61 in the second round. True. So you would think right away he's the most talented. All we're hearing is huge praise mm -hmm. about what Drake Jackson's going to be. The problem is how much is Drake Jackson actually going to get on the field? You know, and you see 420 Savage talking about the fact he thinks Danny Gray is the fifth wide receiver on the depth chart. As of right now, you're not wrong, 420. He, he, he could. You you're know, right. He could be. Uh, that's part of the problem with the way the 49ers have built with depth. These rookies being able to make impacts on this team is more difficult than ever because the team is so good. And so you're trying to find ways that these guys can get on the field. Gary was throwing out there earlier about Nick Zakel being an impact player. 420 Savage is throwing out there about Spencer Burford with the caveat, if he starts. Mm. I think that that is something that 
you have to play into uh, your thought process if he starts. And that's where the problem is for Drake Jackson. Where is he going to get playing time behind this absolutely impressive defensive line? If he comes in and he handles business and gets after it, and he's able to beat out a Kamoko Ture or a Jordan Willis, that means he's going to get significant snaps. In that case, I might start leaning towards Drake Jackson being able to make a big-time impact on this 49ers team in 2022. Look, here, this is the thing, right? Is You and I both believe that there probably isn't a rookie that's coming in this year that's going to crack the starting lineup. It's just it's not going to happen. They're not going to yeah. be a guy that starts on offense or starts on defense. So what you're looking at here in terms of impact is who the guy, who's the guy that's going to go out there with their limited amount of opportunities and get it done. Uh, last year, there were a lot of people who who thought it was going to be Aaron Banks, right? Aaron Banks is going to be the guy. He's going to supplant Brunskill. He's going to start. He's going to play lots of snap. Even if he doesn't start, he'll come in at some point during the season and be the dude. There were a lot of people who thought it was going to be Talanoa Hufanga. And while Talanoa Hufanga ended up having a big impact, played a lot of snaps. We talked about this, 41% of the yeah. snaps. It ends up being Elijah Mitchell, the guy that not a lot of people were talking about in terms of being a big impact. He was a guy people hoped would become something in a couple of seasons once you're moved on from Raheem Mostert and he's no longer here. He's the Raheem Mostert replacement you're hoping it could be, and he ends up being the Raheem Mostert replacement one year earlier and makes it so that Raheem Mostert becomes expendable. Um, looking at it now this year, there isn't a guy who's going to crack this lineup. So it isn't about how many opportunities you get. It's going to be about what you do with said opportunities. And this is the problem for Drake, Drake Jackson is, there's way more, way more guys that he's competing with at his position than Danny Gray is. So, I mean, 427, you, your point is not wrong. You're not, not he's what he right now, wide receiver five, and he may that may be all he is this year is wide receiver five, but wide receiver five is still going to have a better opportunity to get more impactful opportunities to make huge plays than Drake Jackson is going to be in an 11 man rotation. Yeah, I think so. You know, and Mr. Corey saying Drake Jackson ain't getting snaps over to Ray. I think it's going to be hard for Drake Jackson to get snaps this year. Even though I'm very encouraged by all the things I hear Nick Bosa talking about his Ben Samson Ebucom talking about how he's explosive and he's a dynamic young player and he likes the things that he can do. I think the sky is the limit for Drake ja Jackson's potential in this defense, especially because he's going to be working with Chris Kacarek. Kacarek <laughs> uh, just makes things happen. Sure. And I think Jackson is a, a nice canvas for him to be able to you know work with. I'm I'm looking forward to what he can do. But I just think when it comes down to it right now, Gray's going to have more opportunities. And the conversations about where he's not on the depth chart, I think it all comes down to what the 49ers want out of their receivers at the time. True. We have conversations all the time about who's who's wide receiver three, who's wide. I think that they're going to use a multitude of different guys. There are actually three guys, in fact, Jennings, Danny Gray, and uh, Raven McLeod in a variety of different ways, depending on what kind of looks Kyle Shannon is trying to get against certain defensive sets and certain matchups. That's kind of how he always handles it. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to how Kyle Shannon implements it. And then I think when Danny Gray gets out there, he's going to be able to make things happen. But those are two very positive rookies for the 49ers. Hugely positive rookies, Ant, and, and can do a variety of different things in a variety of different ways and allows a lot of flexibility both offensively and defensively. Uh, that's the reality. Now, the, the question just becomes is, are there any other rookies on this roster that can have that impact that maybe, you know, people aren't necessarily considering. And look, O-line is something everyone needs to discuss and talk about because depth-wise, it isn't necessarily there. It doesn't exist in this, in this realm of confidence that people have. And people felt the same way last year about depth. Outside of starters and 
even starters. I mean, there were questions about Brunskill. There were questions about Mike McGlinchey uh, coming into this year. There are questions about Brunskill for some people. There are questions about Mike McGlinchey and health, and now there's questions at the center spot. And a lot of people are saying Jake Brendel, Jake Brendel, Jake Brendel, Jake Brendel, Jake Brendel at the center spot. He's the answer. He's the solution. Maybe that ends up being the case. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe one of these other rookies. Maybe it's a Donovan West. Maybe it's a Nick Sakelj that could push for that kind of spot and do something and surprise some people. Who on the O-line of this rookie class do you think has the best opportunity to potentially sneak in and have that big rookie impact that we're trying to talk about today? Because as of right now, it it doesn't feel like any of them have a legitimate shot. It feels like the Niners have a plan in place in terms of who these guys are and that it's not going to be a young man. I think you have to look first at what are the biggest weaknesses on the offensive line. And I think it has to be center mainly because we have uh, we have questions. We don't know what Jake Brendel is. So I think players that are going to be playing the center position, rookies, that's their best opportunity to be able to play. Uh, we've heard a multitude of guys who have, you know, the positive ability, you know, to play that spot. Um, there's lots of guys. Nick Zakel, Donovan West, uh, Jason Paul, all have been somewhat players that could play the center position. You wonder if any of them are going to be able to get in there and actually get it done. I don't know for sure. Uh, but I think that's where I would start. And I do like the upside of Nick Zakel. But I don't, even I have said, I don't think that he makes an impact on this team until 2023. I'm not going to change from that right now. I'm thinking that that's the only avenue because Daniel Brunskill at guard, if he's playing right guard, it, it's him or Jalen Moore. And I don't think there's any other questions at right guard. Sure. But if Brunskill moves to center, then we start having a conversation because then Spencer Burford versus Jalen Moore could be one heck of a matchup to watch. It very well could be, Ant. It very well could be. Look, I, I think it's very interesting. And Luke, thank you for the $2 super yeah, chat. Thanks, we really Luke. appreciate it. We always love having the positive bet back. So that's that's a good thing there. Um, but this is this is the this is the the niche, like the linchpin of this whole thing. I think of anyone on the O-line in terms of this rookie class in and of itself. Burford is the name you have to watch because he's the only one I feel that is close enough, close enough or in a range where the Niners feel like, hey, if we need to in a pinch put this guy in, this is the guy we're going to be able to turn to and go with. Um, I, I think he's going to have every opportunity. He is, he, they, where they drafted him signifies that he's most likely making this roster, barring something catastrophic happening or this guy coming in and absolutely crapping the bed in training camp and then being like, oh, Lord Almighty, what have we done? This is a disaster, which I just don't see happening. So Burford is the one who's got the best ch chance. Now, the question just becomes is where does that chance come into play, right? Where, where does it come in? Is Jalen Moore something they're really trying to groom and make this guy a guard? Do they care more about this guy being a tackle? Would they prefer to have this guy as a swing tackle option for the 49ers? Or are they going to have him compete at the right guard spot? Because here's the other thing. McGlinchey's health is still up in the air. It is. If something were to happen to McGlinchey, is Brunskill the guy they slide out to tackle in that situation? And now you're looking for a guard replacement, and it could be, like you said, Moore or Burford. Burford is the name to, to watch because I think his development and where he's at is going to signify to the 49ers which of these two guys. I think one of them, Moore or Burford, by the end of this season is going to be designated as a tackle prospect going forward for the 49ers. Something that one of these guys to eventually potentially replace Mike McGlitchey or be developing behind Trent Williams to take over before that time comes. I don't know if both guys are going to fill that role. I think one is, and I think this training camp is going to determine it. Yeah, I mean, and and you see uh, Lewis saying Zakel's not even getting any uh, reps at center. Of course he's not. Uh, 
wait until training camp happens. Remember that it was Colton McKivitz that was taking right tackle uh, reps, True. and he became the left guard, and Tom Compton started getting the and right tackle reps. And that was uh, reps. Two weeks, with two weeks of training camp, folks. Yeah. So it was late in the training yeah. camp. It was not early in the training camp. Things process. happen, and you're right now you're just, especially in mini camps, looking to get reps for everyone along the offensive line. It's more important for those guys to get reps on the interior because they're not used to it. Because you're right. As far as right tackle goes, they have a plethora of options because guess what? Almost everyone they brought in or drafted has played tackle before. Stunned. Spencer Burford, Nick Zakel, Jalen Moore, right? They're all former tackles. Colton McKivitz, Justin Skule. There is no shortage of potential tackle options. The questions are on the interior, and some of these guys are going to be able to move inside. The reason somebody like Nick Zakel makes more sense inside than a Burford, for instance, is the length of his arms. Nick Zakel has 32-inch arms, which we know isn't the acquired or required length normally for an offensive tackle. But Burford, on the other hand, longer arms. Burford is definitely somebody that can play right tackle for the 49ers in the future. And I think him playing a little bit of guard this year, um, they could possibly use him this year if needed, but also be developing him in case Mike McGlinchey does move on. Him or Jalen Moore, you're right, are more the most likely to slide into that spot if McGlinchey doesn't come back in 2023. It's true. It's going to be very interesting to see how this pans out and how it plays out. Now, this is an interesting question here from BB50. Will Samuel Mo Womack swag carry over to game time? Uh, maybe. Maybe it could. But let's not forget uh, how physical and hype we saw D'Amador Lenore last year in training camp. And in fact, so hype and so physical and that actually got the Niners fined uh, for rookie activities and how much contact was being had out on said football field. Um, and look, it carried over in terms of confidence early in that season because he was the guy the Niners turned to with injuries and things of that nature. But it quickly faded off once it became very evident and clear that maybe he wasn't 100% ready yet and then wasn't even an option the Niners turned to late in the season as they turned to Ombre Thomas. So swag is great. Having confidence is great early, but if there are technique things and issues that you need to clean up as a, as a cornerback, that is eventually going to come back and bite you in the butt no matter how confident, swaggy, you know, levels of intimidation speedy you are and Womack has a lot of those traits right now and I love that about him but it's now about it's now about development now and how he can implement take the things he does well and work them into the system I don't think he has any chance right now of, of cracking this lineup in the cornerback room because they have a lot of guys who are talented speedy and very confident swag and understand the game a whole heck of a lot better than this guy does right now and that's not a shot at, at Womack it is not a shot at Womack it just means he hasn't been in the league he hasn't seen it yet and hasn't demonstrated that he has a, a full grasp of it. That's all. Samuel Womack, I'm a big fan. I really, really like you. I'm excited to see what it's going to be in the future. I just don't know we're going to see a big impact from him right now. I'll tell you what I do like, though, is the guys who they brought in the secondary, and Womack's one of them, uh, also Leon O'Neill <laughs> and then Tariq Castro-Fields, those guys have absolute... Uh, aggressiveness in sure. their mentality. I sure. mean, these guys get after it. They're not afraid of offending anyone. They're just in there to compete. Leon O'Neal is acting like he's going to have an all-pro season this year, and he might not even make the roster, but that's sure. his belief. And you you got to like guys who believe in their abilities. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to raise the level of competition for everyone in that room. If you didn't think the level of competition was good enough with uh, Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley, and Tarverius Ward, the young cats are going in there going after Ombre Thomas and Diamond Lenore and the holdovers. 
Uh, so I think this is going to be one of those exciting battles in the secondary as well. The 49ers have done a good job of bringing in guys to compete. And that's not even talking about my guy, Quantrez Knight, who's going to be able to get in there and make things happen. I don't know why, but this guy is still sticking in there. I'm curious what he's going to end up doing, but he's already had a couple interceptions during the OTAs. That's true. Uh, get after it, kid. Uh, I, I like his ability. I like his aggressiveness. But he, he likes to he likes to pull. He likes to grab. And sometimes he... Let's his eyes get fooled a little bit, but uh, they got a lot of good players. And with Samuel Womack, he's a guy that I think could be in the future plans of the 49ers. He could be a long-term answer at the nickel corner spot, but I don't know how much of an impact. I'm going to lean towards what you said as well. I don't know what, what kind of impact he's going to be able to make this year beyond special teams, but I think he's going to be one heck of a special teams player for the Niners. This I, year. I will agree with you there. Uh, I will a hundred percent agree with you there. Is he related to, Leslie O'Neill's Forktail Devil. Uh, ask Leon O'Neill Jr. Don't ask me. I have no clue. I have no clue. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with a hard no. How about that? We'll go with a hard no. Uh, what about Tyrion Davis Price, man? What about TDP? Because 420 Savage just brought him up. He will be special. Look, I think he's going to get the most snaps out of every rookie that was drafted. I think he has the potential to get the most snaps of of every single one of these guys that's, that's drafted, just because we did see. Elijah Mitchell in year one, get a little banged up. Now, splitting of the role, splitting of responsibilities, maybe not having to have him carry the rock almost 30 times a game or getting gosh darn close to it, Ant. Maybe that will help him stay a little more healthy and make all those games. But that means maybe taking nine or 10 carries off of this guy's shoulders and off of his workload, which means 10 touches or so per game potentially that are up for grabs at TDP, even if he just grabs five of those, is five more than we would see from a guy like Danny Gray. Um, Maybe, possibly. The question is, and the only problem is, is I think his impact will be felt. It's just going to be small impacts. It's going to be moving the chain type impacts and finishing drives with short touchdown run impacts more than it's going to be huge gashing runs on, you know, third down and one for 60 yard touchdowns. I think it's going to be small things that over the course of the season add up to big things for the 49ers in the offense. Yeah, you might end up getting a Jawan Jennings type vibe from him, but out of the True. running back position, True. because he's going to be able to convert on third, convert on fourth, convert touchdowns. Um, those are going to be things that TDP is probably going to be tasked with because he's going to be the biggest running back on the 49ers roster as far as, you know, tailback. Uh, at 220 to 225 pounds, that's a big physical guy. So the Fortners are going to lean on him in that way. The, the comments that Anthony Lynn had and said about him, mm -hmm, you know, the mm -hmm. fact that he was unlike any of the other running backs on the roster, I think leads us to know exactly what his role is going to be. And his patience and the way that he's able to navigate, you know, through tight quarters when these little blocks happen is very reminiscent to Elijah Mitchell and how he's able to handle things. Um, so I'm very excited about how he's going to be doing things. And I'm excited about TDP and the impact he can make on the team because I think he can make an impact. As far as offensive players, I think he's the guy that could actually make the most impact points wise i think with danny gray it could be impact you know in big plays but with tdp it, he could actually score more touchdowns than every other rookie on the team in fact he may be one of those players if you're a big fantasy player that you draft late hoping that elijah mitchell is that guy this year the bell cow guy who gets all the arts all the touches potentially even all the receptions and every time you get into the red zone TDP is the one that punches it in for six and he gets four touches on the game and or five touches on the game with two touchdowns and scoring double digit fantasy points. And he's a flex flex superstar in fantasy football. TDP 100% could be that. And everyone will hate the 49ers <laughs> running back room for it. 
because that happens all the time. Look, it, it, that is a reality, and that is the role that he would be playing. And look, like I said, right, it's a small, it seems small on the surface, but by the end of the season, the impact is huge if you add it all up in terms of what he could be. Um, I, I think he has the most upside and most potential in terms of, you know, what he could develop into on the offensive side of the ball in this system, just because of the vision that I've already seen from him, how he runs. It's very Elijah Mitchell-esque. And if you have Elijah Mitchell here for the next three or four years, Anthony does incredible things with this guy right behind him, doing good stuff, but not, not crazy stuff. Then when the time comes and Elijah Mitchell needs to get paid, you can move on from Elijah Mitchell and know you have a guy that you can rely on that can still make some good money. Isn't going to do the same things that Elijah Mitchell did in terms of the speed category, but you still get a guy who can run between the tackles with vision, strength, physicality, um, and can get you some nice chunked out yards while you're hopefully finding that replacement for Elijah Mitchell four to five years from now. Yeah, you're hoping that you don't have to do that, but you're, you know that wear and tear is going to happen on these 100%. running backs. The way that Kyle Shannon used the running back room, you definitely need a solid rotation. You know, There's a couple of spots you need solid rotation, one being defensive line, the other being running back, because Kyle Shanahan will absolutely use every single ounce these guys got. The good news is they have a lot of backs that can do a variety of different things, and they're going to be able to take the weight and the pressure off of each other. So I think TDP was a solid pickup at the time in the draft. You know, of course, there was a lot of questions. It's so confusing because the Niners went from never touching a running back early to all of a sudden in back-to-back -back years. Back-to-back -back years. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, right, the, the veteran in the room now is Jeff Wilson Jr. I seen a question come through uh, a minute ago is, what was TDP speed like? Is he faster than Jeff Wilson Jr.? Yes, Jeff Wilson yep. Jr. was a 4-5 guy coming out, and TDP's a 4-4-8. Is it a lot of difference between the two? No. no. Uh, it's about a half a step. Uh, when it comes down to it, I don't think TDP was drafted for his speed. He was drafted for the impact he was going to make on the interior run game. And I do think Jeff Wilson Jr.'s role is going to be changing this year as I think he's going to be used just like he was last year in some of the blocking situations, but also on third down. I think he could take over the Jamichael Hasty third down role. The fact, the, the, the fact that he can block the way that he can block on Which pass is protection incredible. is going to be great. Plus, he's a good pass catcher. So Absolutely. a healthy Jeff Wilson Jr., I think with the other three guys, that being Sermon, TDP, and Elijah Mitchell would be a dynamite running back room. Agreed. And look, four four eight is not slow. It's not slow. No, Debo ran not. Debo ran four five coming out. I yeah. mean, I mean, we're yeah. not we're not talking about slow. We've seen Debo break away from guys and take it to the house. It's fast enough. It's fast enough. You only need to be in that range. You just need to be fast enough. If you're fast enough in the NFL, um, it, it isn't about that because there is a difference between running a forty at a combine and game speed with pads on. Some guys get the pads on it, that adrenaline starts pumping, and that four four eight speed turns into. Something that doesn't look anything close to 4 for 8 There's also guys that get into a game who run 4-3s and in low 4-4s. Four you get into a game and start running, and you're like, this guy is moving in molasses. What is happening here? They look slow. Shoot, I wasn't a fast guy, and when you watched my film, my actual tape, I looked slower than I actually was when I ran. It's crazy. Stupidly slow on film. It was really, really hard to watch, even though there was times where I'm running away from certain people and not running away from other people. Just, just slow, stuck in the mud slow. This happens. People move differently in environments, situations. Maybe they're thinking. Maybe they don't have a good feel. Maybe they're not seeing what they want to see. And so their body's not reacting and responding the same way. It's a, just a mental sort of thing for, for certain athletes and certain things of that nature when you're looking around, maybe not seeing the hole you want to hit, so you're being a little bit more patient. Or you feel there's contact coming, so you're slowing down, bracing, trying to break through contact to keep your feet moving and keep yourself going. Things happen. Guys do different things. So I care less about what you look like at your combine day. Those things are nice. It's nice to get an idea of what, what the best version of you is, right? On your best day with, with when you feel weightless running around, that's great. 
What I care about is what you're looking like running between the tackles. And that's what it seems like the Niners care about more now than anything else, right? Is what do you look like between the tackles? Got a good a good one last year in Elijah Mitchell, who solid running between the tackles. Jeff Wilson Jr. has shown a lot of promise and, and positive things running between the tackles in this offense. And now you got TDP, who you're hoping can do the same thing. The only question is, is where does this leave Trey Sermon going forward? But this isn't a Trey Sermon episode. This is a 49ers rookies episode. We can talk about that another time. Yeah, you know, I think the running back room, what Kyle's done is he's got a bunch of guys that have uh, skill sets that he thinks he can use to his disposal, you know, and they're all a little bit different. And that's the same thing he did with the wide receiver room, right? He built them a little bit different. The room is just a, it's got that each one's got a little tool that they can use uh, to the, to the best of their ability. And he's going to be able to use that. And I think that when it comes down to this running back room, it, it's constituted in a nice way, but it's constituted with guys who are big physical guys. Every one of them is going to be 215 pounds. Plus these guys are going to be bringing the wood consistently. They're going to wear down defenses and that's going to help Trey Lance in the end because this passing game is going to get going off the play action pass. I'm really looking forward to how this team just continues to go after it, continues to go after it, grind, grind, grind on the ground. And I think that these big running backs are going to be able to withstand, you know, what Kyle Shanahan asks of them. And I think in the end, that's what's going to help Danny Gray and Trey Lance have big seasons this year. Agreed with you. Mr. Corey keeps saying, hey, listen, don't sleep on Jordan Mason, y'all. Don't do it. Well, look, I'm not sleeping. I'm, I'm patiently waiting. I'm patiently waiting to see what we're going to see here because I'm, I'm not going to put a lot of stock in under in just undrafted guys for the 40 i'm just not i'm not gonna do it guys that they've brought in undrafted free agent things like that i i'm not going to do it the guys that they've drafted those are the guys that have the edge line the, the edge up they have kind of the inside track because you're, you're drafting when you draft a player when you take someone in the draft you are looking at their potential and what you can do once you're able to get your hands and mold them so they have a little bit of time they get a little bit of leeway when you're bringing in undrafted free agents Similar sort of thing, but you know that you can sneak those guys away. You know you can tuck those guys into your back pocket and save them for a rainy day. They're not they're not as valuable right now so much as they are hopefully in the future. Alex, is there, I mean, uh, Coach Cruz uh, says right here about uh, Womack is going to surprise some people, and it got me thinking. I, I do think Womack has potential to Agreed. do that. Is there any undrafted free agents or even guys who are taking, you know, in the sixth, seventh round that you believe can potentially make this roster and make an impact on the 49ers? No. No, just that simple. That look, no. it's this simple. Also, if if we were if we were relying and hoping that undrafted free agent rookies were going to come in and blow our socks off, this is the thing that I have such a hard time with with Donovan West because I do like Donovan West. I like a lot of his positive things, but I saw the negatives that you saw on film. So it was surprising to see him go undrafted. Yeah, shocking, it completely. I thought somebody would take a take a chance, a risk. I mean wasn't a deep center class. And I didn't think that he was so far down that he wouldn't even, he's not even worth a glance teams, but regardless of that, it was shocking, shocking to see that. But if we're having to rely on undrafted free agents or hoping that an undrafted free agent is going to come in this year and have a big impact for the 49ers, this team's not going to the Super Bowl. And I have Super Bowl aspirations. You have Super Bowl aspirations. Kyle Shanahan, Trey Lant, the entire roster has Super Bowl aspirations. John Lynch turned down a fat contract <laughs> to announce games because they have Super Bowl aspirations. If there is an undrafted free agent rookie right now on this roster that has a chance to make the team have an imp impact, I will say it right now, that undrafted free agent rookie is a Hall of Famer. They will be a Hall of Famer guaranteed. And guess what? 
you won't know until you know tcc you won't know until training camp and that first game of the season where that guy sneaks on the 53 gets gets a little bit of playing time whatever to put that is doing the season and wows the world i just don't see it i think that early on in, in kyle shannon and john lynch's tenure they were bringing in players uh that were undrafted that they were end up developing into big players there were more you know times that those players could make the roster because the roster wasn't as deep or as good true uh so you got kendrick Bourne and you got aziz al shire and you know players like that that they were able to bring in an undrafted free agents and develop i don't think there's that opportunity as much i think one of these players if they want to get developed they're gonna have to do so on the practice squad more so than the 53-man roster yep. and that's a good sign for the 49ers it means we're deeper at every position now, we got to remember, though, this draft was also deeper than ever before because of the extra year because of the COVID. Accurate. Uh, so there are players that went undrafted that are going to be able to benefit a team. And so I think we have to keep an eye on some of these guys. There's just the chances of them being able to make an impact on the 49ers is going to be really difficult, number one. Uh, number two, I, I just don't know exactly you know, which player is going to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them in training camp. I want to see what happens. But I remember watching a second-round pick in Aaron Banks last year absolutely struggle, True. even though there was a lot of big push behind him. I do think that he learned a lot in one year redshirting. I just wonder how many players, you know, they're going to be able to redshirt again. I know they'll have some guys from their draft class, but are some of those guys going to have to get released this year? Uh, it's going to be interesting uh, training camp. Big Papa, you were right on all of those names, but... The, all the names that you just said didn't do it in year one. They didn't do it in year one. It wasn't a year one thing where they came on the scene. And that's that's my point. Is Emmanuel Mosley is it was has been great as an undrafted free agent, especially for the 49ers. Traverius Ward has been a great undrafted free agent starting in Kansas City and hopefully continuing here in San Francisco. Aziz has been great. Didn't start out great. I can, I can promise you it didn't start out great. It gets great. It takes some time. But again, that's why you take them as an undrafted free agent. You, you see something there, and you're thinking to yourself, this could be something. Like, there's something special here. Let's just get our hands on it. Let's, let's take some time. Let's craft this thing and see what, see what comes out of this, because hopefully it's something great. That has happened. It's happened plenty of times. There's been plenty of undrafted free agent talent players that go on, come into a roster, and end up being there. Hardly ever, though, is it year one where those guys are doing that. Does it happen? Has it probably happened? Yes. I imagine it's happened somewhere in the league. Those are the exceptions to the rule. They're not the rule. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there's potential for any of these guys to Agreed. be able to go out there and, and knock the socks off the 49ers. And the 49ers are going to give every single one of these players the opportunity because why not hit, you know, strike lightning in a bottle and get one of these guys and have them come in and make a big time play? I'm one of those guys that likes Q Knight, and I'm one of those guys sure. that likes. Uh, Taylor Hawkins. I like these guys, and I, I I think that they have potential to open some eyeballs when we get to training camp and get to the preseason. But I can also admit that even though I have a real like for them, the opportunities for them to be able to get onto this 53-man roster are very minuscule. Um, and if they do, I mean, they're going to wow everyone. So I'm looking forward to that opportunity to watch these guys develop. I think that it's going to be fun. The Warriors have built uh, one of the best 90-man rosters I've seen in a while. There's tremendous depth at every position, and there's going to be some absolute battles there. And I'm also curious, what happens when the 49ers get out there and start plucking people and moving them around? Because it's inevitable that you see somebody that was in one room move to another room, and then you see them develop. And I think one of the main ones to watch during the entire training camp is going to be Jason Poe, uh, because right now he's an offensive lineman. But six foot one, 300-pound offensive lineman don't normally exist in today's NFL. So could he be a fullback? Could he be a defensive lineman? Or is he just going to be a center? I, I think he's somebody that's going to be remarkable to watch. Definitely. He's one of the more intriguing ones. 
Um, I also enjoy the gaslighting from the the D D Hoff here. And uh, Banks wasn't starting over Lincoln Tomlinson. That wasn't the conversation last year. Nobody was having that conversation. Nobody believed that for a second. The conversation most people were having were was Banks over Daniel Brunskill. Well, and the yeah, you know, I mean the front office and coaching staff were talking about Banks moving to right guard. Correct. Uh, they did want Banks to be able to go in there and push and potentially beat out Brunskill. That just didn't happen, and it, it Banks just wasn't ready. I mean, he admits it. The 49ers organization has definitely admitted it, you, you uh, but he watch, developed during the he year. He said to watch training camp, too. Yeah. That first day of training camp, the open practice session at Levi Stadium, it was very apparent that he just wasn't ready, and there's nothing wrong with that as a rookie coming into the league uh, going up against that front. That was a nasty front we had last year, and, and guess what? It's nasty again this year, which is why it's hard to believe that any of the rookies we're going to bring in are going to be that ready. I mean, there's there is guys that are coming in. This rookie group of offensive linemen, I believe, are more ready than last year's group of oh, offensive I would linemen. Agree. I would agree with you. I, I think that they fit the system better. I think they're more athletic. I think where they would Spencer Burford in another draft could have easily been a late second, early third round pick. Yeah, uh, Nick Zakel could have easily been a you know a fourth round pick. But because of the way how many players were there and the way that this draft went down, it was absolutely stacked. So you got ver- two very good football players. And I think the 49ers did that in a lot of different positions. Um, so offensive line is going to be an interesting one. And I think that these guys are just going in to compete. But overall, Forrester has a particular type of player that he likes to go get. And that's what he did. He stockpiled on even more guys. Burford, Zakel, absolutely nasty, absolutely intelligent. Would not be shocked if they don't. If you don't start hearing that they're in there making waves. I don't know if they start, but I would love to see them push for it. Uh, I would agree with you on that. Uh, no Brock Purdy hit. <laughs> no, we haven't talked about Brock Purdy. I do, I honestly don't believe there's any chance Brock Purdy makes this roster minus an injury to Nate Sudfeld. And Correct. even then, I think they would go out and look for a veteran quarterback. I would prefer it. Uh, because I think Purdy's got a lot of development. I expect Purdy to probably be a practice squad quarterback if he's on the practice squad. I think there's no guarantees they won't end up getting a different quarterback to fill those roles, but we know there will be a quarterback there, but they're only keeping two on this roster. They are only keeping two, Um, and and the ideal situation for San Francisco right now would be Sudfeld along with Trey Lance. Obviously, Trey Lance. I mean, it it can't be anyone else other than Trey Lance. Trey Lance is one of the spots no matter what, Um, and I just I don't see any world in which it's, I don't see it being the rookie quarterback. I, I don't see it being Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Um, I think the ideal situation is not only practice squad, but ideally I think they would prefer practice squad for a few years. I think they would prefer two to three years for Brock Purdy to sit there and fester, develop, and, and learn without the pressures of, of the NFL and all that weighing on his shoulders in terms of his development, uh, knowing that he's you know the backup to Trey Lance and whatever this team needs to be. No, you can have a, a, a vet, hopefully a vet presence at the quarterback position for the next two years, and then Purdy's been in the league for three. He feels a lot more comfortable with the system. And he's seen what this team is and the expectations. That's been established for him. And now, what do you do? Now you can come in uh, when, when your feet are completely underneath you. They're not just wet. You're you're wading in the pool that is the NFL. Uh, rather than coming into this situation now, throwing in behind Trey Lance and being like, well, by the way, if anything were to happen to Trey... Don't F it up, Brock. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that he Brock Purdy's going to end up being the answer in San Francisco. I think... Don't you uh, dare, Paul. Uh, 
Don't you dare. I, I think I Paul saying uh, Sam Darnold. It's not going to be Darnold for sure. Uh, I think it's going to be Nate Sudfeld. I think it's going to be Nate right. Sudfeld for the foreseeable future. I think he will be the long-term backup for Trey Lance. It makes a lot of sense for the 49ers to keep Sudfeld there. He has a tremendous relationship with Trey. And the more comfortable he gets in the offense, the more comfortable Kyle Shanahan is going to be with him. And you're wanting this guy to come in and win a couple of games if necessary. Whenever you get after past your starting quarterback, uh, the you're probably not going to make the playoffs or Super Bowl if you don't have a really good team around him. I think Sudfeld is that guy. So I think they'll continue to draft guys here and there to see if anyone ends up being better than Sudfeld. Uh, but until then, it's going to be Sudfeld for a long time. Unless your name is Big Richard Noel, uh, Foles, Ant. Big Richard Foles. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, if you know his actual nickname, then you understand why I did that. I got to, for the censors, for the for the sake of monetization on the yeah. channel. But Big Richard Foles, uh, unless you're that backup quarterback, uh, there's that. Uh, notice the laughing faces, Alex. Yeah, yes, that, that was yeah, that was me. We got it. I, I, <laughs> we got you. We, we, we got you. Uh, ideally, no. Ideally, no on that. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, look, I, I think this entire, I think the rookie class is, it's intriguing. It's intriguing because of the amount of how how late and how deep. Here's the thing that's the most depressing, actually, about this whole rookie class. I think the guy that could have shocked everybody just based on how this offseason played out might have actually been Kalia Davis if he was 100% healthy. It could be. I mean, Kalia Davis has the ability to flash. I mean, his first step is tremendous. But he's a guy that's transitioning from playing linebacker to defensive tackle. Also true. I think there's a lot that has to be you know learned. And one of those things he needs to learn is how to finish plays. Right now, he gets in and he wreaks havoc at times. Other times, he looks, he gets in the backfield and he's looking around like, you know, doesn't know where to go. Uh, I think Kalia Davis would benefit hugely from a redshirt season. Also true. Um, but you're right. His first step ability is tremendous. I think year two. Uh, year three, uh, kind of a similar trajectory as DJ Jones is what Fair. you're looking at for Clea Davis. Fair. But there is a lot of upside, and that athletic ability is tremendous. I just wonder, is his body meant to meant to meant to hold a 300 pound frame? That's I'm question. not sure. That's the question. It's and it's an interesting one. Um, you, Mr. Corey said it's his favorite draft pick. I think he's the one that I'm the most excited about because I, I mean, when I saw his film, I started watching his tape. It was like. I understand. I understand why exactly why you took this because you don't have DJ Jones anymore, and this guy flashes some DJ Jones esque potential in terms of that first step, how quickly he gets in there and disrupts. We saw that a lot from DJ. Difference was DJ proven commodity in this league, also finisher and finished those plays, put guys on the ground, ran through Seattle center and and ate all of Russell Wilson uh, constantly, consistently, uh, blew up interior offensive linemen and stuffed runs in the backfield. He did that a lot. Uh, Clea Davis hasn't necessarily finished those plays off, but he does have the ability to disrupt already. And that is a huge plus for San Francisco. If you have a guy on the front who can disrupt, beat double teams, and gets off so fast that Anthony, the double team, it's like it doesn't exist. It's like it's not even there. Um, that's a huge up for not just your run defense, but also for being able to get after the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. And I think he is, you know, I seen uh, Paul was saying, uh, he Kalia Davis is some awesome putty for Kacerik. He is, you know, and that's what you want. You want to get Kacerik, these guys that he that have an elite trait uh, that he can go ahead and develop. And this is one of the ways the 49ers have been developing talent. They've been getting guys that are undrafted or late draft picks, DJ Jones, Kevin Givens, uh, and bringing those guys in and letting Chris Kacerik develop them. And I think that's what they're going to do with Davis. I think Davis has a lot of potential. Uh, so I'm excited about, you know, what he's going to do for this team. I just wonder if it's actually going to be in 2022 or if they're going to completely redshirt him uh, and make sure that they don't have to use that roster spot on him, but save him for 2023. I think there's some potential for that to happen. Uh, agreed. Mr. Corey, I played left out. 
Yeah. <laughs> and by left side, I meant left out wide. Uh, I, was, I was a wide receiver. Wide receiver, punter, held, snaps, backed up at pretty much every other position on the team. So uh, nothing and everything. Then we'll just go with that. Uh, Traylon Burks, Offensive Rookie of the Year, says BV50 with question marks, Ant. Could Traylon Burks be the Offensive Rookie of the Year? I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, don't so. I don't think Traylon Burks is going to be the rookie of the year. I think Traylon Burks has a lot of development that still needs to happen. Uh, he's a guy that's exciting, but you know how is he going to fit in Tennessee? You know what what are the things they're going to be able to do with him? I think people are expecting him to go in there and have a AJ Brown kind of impact. I don't see that coming in year one. I think he's going to have some development. And now with Ryan Tannehill kind of looking over his shoulder, I wonder how things are going to work out there. But it's a different team there in Tennessee. If Traylon Burks is playing next to AJ Brown, we might be having a conversation about what Burks could do as far as rookie of the year. But now he's going to be getting all the attention. Uh, tons of attention. Uh, it's one thing, and to be wide receiver two in a system as you as a rookie, right? And and yeah. blow the frick up. See Juju Smith Schuster. It's a whole other situation and a whole other thing to be wide receiver one and be getting the best look from every single team week in and week out. Ask Juju Smith Schuster about that. Um, these are not these are not the same. These are not the same. A Traylon Burks with AJ Brown there might have been offensive rookie of the year. You could easily make an argument for that because you can't turn attention away from AJ Brown. If you do so, you're gonna get burned. That's 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 not a good situation for you. A Traylon Burks in an offense ant with a Ryan Tannehill who is erratic and a little bit inconsistent, and no AJ Brown means a heavy run on the a heavy focus on the run game and teams feeling like they can just maybe if they have that lockdown corner. They can just put one guy out there in space and, all right, Traylon, it's time for you to prove it to us. Also, uh, Tannehill and him don't have the same level of chemistry that him and A.J. Brown have. A.J. Brown had a lot of time to develop that chemistry with Tannehill. Uh, you're going to have a training camp. Have fun with that. Uh, Siggy Slight says, hey, guys, hope all is well. I hear Jordan Mason is a beast. A lot of people say Thinking it. he'll be the cream that rises. What are you thinking about Jordan Mason, Alex, from what you've heard, uh, what you've seen, which is very limited, of course, as college film we've saw but very limited in what we saw at OTAs and, and minicamp. What are you thinking about Jordan Mason? Taking a pause. Taking a pause. And the reason I'm taking a pause on this and not running out into the world and screaming, Jordan Mason, I want your jersey, is because I don't know. I, I've seen college film. I'm getting reports. I don't trust reporters. I don't trust reporters to give me factual information. I get... I, I, I trust them to give me what they believe. And that's great and all, but that's someone's opinion. That's someone else's lens and view of the game. Now, when I get to training camp and we're able to actually see him with my with our own eyes, he give you a better feeling of what I feel about Jordan Mason. Here's the thing. People get this stuff right and wrong all the time. This is not an exact science. There's no way to properly predict this. There's some times where guys have all the measurables, all the things line up, and you have them in the system that should work, and everything should line up, and all the stars should align here, and we should see greatness, and you never see it. It never comes to be. And there's other times guys that were afterthoughts that you never even thought about, no one batted an eye of when you get, when they drafted him, whatever, end up being the faces of your franchise. That happens all the time. Nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is an exact science. And so because of that, I'm going to take a pause. All of the great things that people are talking about makes me excited. But that's it. Excited. And it's a, it's a contained excitement, like a little, little bit of it out. And most of it stays here because I don't want to get excited about something that's smoke and mirrors or a flash in the pan or, you know, the fact that he's going up against rookies and undrafted guy and, and not, not the, the, the starting the starting group, not not going up against the best of the best in terms of competition. Once we see that consistently, once we see it in a preseason game, and that stuff translates from practice to field and actual gameplay, then there's going to be something there to actually like 
consume. Right now, it's a menu, and the picture of it looks great, and the description that everyone right now looks delicious, and I'm gonna order it, and I, I want a little bit here. I wanna taste it, I wanna see what it looks like. The presentation is what's going to be matter. Like the presentation that we actually see on the field is the thing that's gonna matter most. Yeah, you know, and I seen Lou say, give it up, Siggy. The guys have no belief in Mason. It's not that we don't have any belief in Mason. Uh, it's just that, you know, what what is the thing that is so tangible about what he has done so far? There hasn't been anything because all they've all we've seen him do is go through basic practice drills. Um, it's not that we're not excited about him, it's that we have tempered expectations. I think you always have to make sure you're keeping rational you know, thoughts when it comes to these guys because reports sometimes get out of hand, you know, and there's oftentimes that reports about certain players and how they're performing get out of hand. And then you go see it in person and you're either blown away by what the guy can do or you sit back and be like, hey, what is everyone talking about? And I think that some of that has to go to like the things with Josh Rosen last year where everyone was talking about how good Josh Rosen looked. And then we got there and Josh Rosen was missing really bad, you know, and there were other guys that were stepping up in a big way so i think it's just tempered expectations right now but i am looking forward to seeing what jordan mason can Agreed. do because any running back that is 228 pounds that can move like him and still be able to catch the ball in the backfield has got to be rather enticing you know to the 49ers and i think also you're going to add in the fact that kyle shannon likes him some undrafted you know running backs loves it. there's going to be potential for jordan mason to make this team but I think realizing how difficult it's going to be with five running backs ahead of him also has to be remembered. But if we get out to training camp and I see Jordan Mason going off, uh, don't think for one second I'm not going to tell you. He, Jordan Mason is the guy. Jordan Mason is going to make this team. I will do that. I have no problems with it. I just haven't been able to see it yet. So here's the problem, Siggy, is I heard reporters praise his cutting ability, finding the hole in a hurry, yada, yada, yada. I like that. Uh, that's all great and good, except last year I watched a lot of these same reporters talking about Elijah Mitchell early in the season, how he was hitting all of his holes, doing all these things, and we were watching film going, hey, Elijah hits most of his holes, and in fact, sees some holes that don't even exist. In fact, a lot of the critique about Elijah Mitchell last year was he turned up too early and didn't bounce things outside. He wasn't trying to hit the home run play. And You and I are watching it going, no, I mean, he's not wrong, though. The, the coaching point is get your foot in the ground and get uphill, and we're watching the film going, no, no, he... He just gets upfield in a hurry. A lot of people talked about Elijah Mitchell last year not finding holes, about trying to you know just turn up when he had a chance to bounce it outside and score. When the reality was is maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but he got himself a guaranteed five yards by going the direction he did, and that's more important to San Francisco than anything right now. A lot of these same people people were cr critical of Elijah Mitchell for something he was actually doing very very well last year that ended up being the thing everyone loved about him. By the time we get to midway point of the season, because all of a sudden. He's doing that, and his teammates are getting a feel for how he runs, and they're setting their blocks up in different ways and better situations. And he also started setting setting moves up and setting up holes better as he got more comfortable with the guys he was running behind. So a lot of people got it wrong about Elijah Mitchell last year early on, and then Elijah Mitchell ends up surprising some people in a big way. In fact, and this is the point I wanted to make originally, you were the one last year coming out of the first day of training camp saying Elijah Mitchell looked like the best running back in the room. Um, and this is someone that we didn't have high expectations for going into the season this past season. So, yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to look. We'll see. And if Jordan Mason does all of those things there, then that's great. I am not going to take somebody else's word for it, though, because here's the other thing, too. Most of those reporters are not coming from the same lens and background that you and I are coming from. And they're definitely not coming specifically from your lens, Ant, where I ran a more spread offense style you know offense where it was more heavily predicated on the pass and using big wide out spread out offense in order to create running lanes for my smaller running back at times you were a guy who 
packed everything in tight, big splits, and just pounded the ball down people's throat, forced them to commit in the box. And then when they do that and they overcommit, then you take the chances and make a couple throws over the top. But this this is what I mean, though. Different lenses, right? right. Reporters not necessarily always coming from a coaching or even playing standpoint. You and I are specifically coming at this from a coaching coaching perspective yeah you know i mean and that's the thing i mean you you said it pretty well is the the running back position is is very unique and the elijah mitchell's progress last year was very fun to watch because you've seen a guy develop into being a one cut and go guy which he had a lot of the abilities coming out of college Uh, but then you've seen as early on in the season there was a lot of conversation about him not being able to make people miss in the open field he's just going downhill that That was because he was learning right he was learning i need to get downhill i need to get those positive yards because that's what's being beat into his head as he progressed in that avenue then as he got through the line of scrimmage and started looking at the second level of defenders then he was started realizing okay now i can start making those cuts and making those moves and he took his running ability to another level started breaking tackles making people miss it's all about development you know and that's one of the things we're hoping to see from a running back like trey sermon uh, Trey Sermon, we're hoping that that development's going to happen because he's not a one-cut go and, uh, and go guy. He didn't develop the way that Elijah Mitchell did last year, but he's a different style of running back. So there's Three. two ways to handle it. Number one, Trey Sermon can work his butt off and get where the 49ers want him to be in the offense, or Kyle Shanahan can develop a little bit of a niche role for him so that way they can use the skill sets he does have. Trey Lance will afford them the opportunity to do that with Sermon, but I do think they're always going to require Sermon to continue to develop in Kyle Shanahan's normal running style. Agreed. Uh, Siggy, these reporters were at practice watching. That's fine. Yeah, that, I love that. That's that's great. But again, what is the lens that they're coming from? If they're not coming from a coaching and playing lens, I don't necessarily trust it. Well, yeah. Because, and, and it's not because my lens is right and their lens is wrong. It's because specifically the way my lens works is, is I'm looking at it from the idea and the perspective of as a coach in your system, in your scheme, in your philosophy, what are you looking for with a running back? What does hitting the hole look like? What does making the right reads look like? If you're coming at this from a fan perspective that's outside of coaching or a reporter perspective in terms of a narrative or someone that surprised you that stood out and that's why you're writing the piece, then you may be making points about you thought he was hitting the right holes. You thought, but is this coming from the same scheme as philosophy as the San Francisco 49ers are? Is it the same scheme? Is it the same philosophy? Are you looking at things the same way? Are the coaching points that you're referring to or the ways that you describe as a writer or a reporter for hitting holes the same criteria as the 49ers and their coaching staff? The answer might be yes. The answer may be no. And you know what? It may be changing this year because last year it was Coach A, it was it was Coach Turner, and this year it's going to be Coach Lynn, Coach Forrester. The, the run game is going to slightly shift. It's going to be a different direction. McDaniels was the guy in charge of the run game. You had Turner, who was in, were involved specifically with the running backs. Now it's Lane and Forrester. It's a completely different mindset, so you don't know how it shifted. Maybe that shift has moved into Jordan Mason's favor, and he's going to surprise us all. Or maybe no one really knows right now, and you're just looking at it as a reporter perspective, going and going, hey, that guy looked like he was exploding through the holes they wanted him to hit. That guy looked like he was understanding things at a very high level for a guy who hasn't been in San Francisco, hasn't been working with this team. I think there may be something there, and there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe you're right, but you also may be wrong. I think what's nice about what the reporters do is they do give us insight into what's going on at practice, Agreed. you know, and and how these guys are are looking in their point of view, and it can create opportunities for us to be able to maybe pinpoint certain guys to watch or highlight certain guys to watch. 
So I think Jordan Mason, you know, give this conversation is not bad. What it did was put him on people's radar. Now people are going to be watching him and focusing on what he does. And it's going to be interesting to see how many reps he gets when you get out there in practice, because there is a pecking order. And what was funny about last year was the 49ers continued to leave um, Elijah Mitchell low on the depth chart as far as reps in practice. He didn't move up tremendously. When we were at you know the practices, he was still getting third and fourth string reps, sure. even though when it came down to it and you got into the regular season, he was that guy. So I'm curious to see where the reps go for Jordan Mason. And if his reps increase as we go through practices and training camp and when we get into the preseason games, he will have an opportunity to make this team. I write nobody off for making this team that's on the 90-man roster for the mere fact that Kyle Shanahan doesn't care about where you were drafted, who you were. He wants you on the team. So if you outplay someone, you'll be on the team. The problem is if you're playing equal to someone that was drafted or equal to someone that a financial responsibility has been paid your way, the chances of you making the team are a little bit slimmer because if it comes down to Jordan Mason and Trey Sermon, Trey Sermon was invested with a third-round pick. Now, I know the easy thing to say is that shouldn't matter. And if Jordan Mason is better, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But if they are equal, Trey Sermon will get the nod. Undrafted free agent Mason, they'll try to put on the practice squad. And that's just the way it works uh, because there is still value in those draft picks. It's like a, it's like a freshman and a senior, Ant, who are on, on the same level, on the same part. The senior's been here for four years, put it in the work, and the freshman just walked in the building day one. And, yes, there's a lot of upside, a lot of potential there. But you know what? He's not going to be playing a whole lot this year. He's not going to get a whole lot. And this kid over here has been here for four years. He's not going to play a whole lot, but he's done the work. He's a good I, you know, staple of what it is. This guy can mentor this kid who's going to be around on maybe the, your practice squad or on a younger level team. You don't just you don't just throw the young man in who's been there just because he's on par with somebody else. If he's on par with somebody else, that's great. That means he's starting already from a better point than the guy who's been here three years and maybe hasn't necessarily been at you can continue to work with that guy who has a little bit more experience. Maybe he's a little bit closer to being game ready and being able to handle the differences and the changes and the nuances of game scheme, philosophy, week in week out prep and what that means. Whereas a young guy may not, maybe he's looking great right now, but 10 weeks into the season, the grind of the season, he's been getting beat up at practice every day. That motivation isn't the same there because he doesn't understand what it means to be playing at this level and doing those things. So you give him a chance to learn that without the pressures of having to go out on the football field, put him on a practice squad. He still goes through the rigors. He's just not showing up on game day and taking that pounding either. I think what will be interesting is Jordan Mason's ability to catch the ball. Cause I, I was impressed with his route running. It's true. Uh, his route was running nice. was good. Was so nice. his, his ability to do that will separate him from TDP and Trey Sermon. Agreed. So if his running ability equals the other guys, he has a good opportunity to make the team. Uh, but we'll see because both those guys I'm sure have been working on it. We haven't seen Trey Sermon in a while now. Let's see how he developed. Uh, but right now I don't know about Trey Sermon. And it's, I think it's interesting. Last year when Trey Sermon was drafted, a lot of people really believed he was going to be running back one or even running back one B. And now there's talk that, you know, from a lot of people that, hey, maybe Trey Sermon shouldn't even make this roster. I think that's interesting because we haven't saw anything from Sermon since last year. Um, but I'm taking a wait and see approach to this running back room. But I do like all the conversation. I do. I love the conversation. It is, it is great. And DJ said, hey, uh, Alex, some reporters are giving negative reviews just to get more views. You are 100 percent right that 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 also though applies to the same side of the coin on the other side. There were people who will talk people up because. Clickbaity is shocking. It's shocking. It's like, oh, really? Oh, wow. And they'll read and they'll want to 
why why have i never heard of this name it is on both sides of the coin and there are some people who will capitalize once people do it one way they'll capitalize the other direction and sometimes there's people there's a legitimate analysis or critique or yes people end up being right about one guy early on right and people are just negative to be negative the other way because it generates clicks and views uh, that is that is reality so you don't take any of it as fact 100 truth you take all of it with a grain of salt you compile all the information and then you make your own decision. That's the best way to go about it because it's the only way that you can go about it without having a bias or leaning one way or the other and ignoring all evidence to the contrary. Take it all with a grain of salt, compile it all, evaluate for yourself what matters most, right? What's important to you and then make your decision. Yeah, I think that anyone that can tell you what's going to happen, uh, you know, overall with this room, I think there's some, you know, some talk and you can kind of figure it out. Uh, but anyone that can say for a hundred percent that something's going to happen or this guy's better than no. uh, it, it's hard to do, but I am excited about, you know, a lot of the different battles that are going to be happening in training camp, Alex, we're going to be talking about a lot of those training camp battles coming up uh, the end of this month, all the way into July, because there are a lot of really interesting ones. And I think some of them pivotal enough that it's not just for starting spots, but to make this roster. If you lose some of these battles, you might not be here in San Francisco in 2022. So I'm looking forward to a lot of those training camp battles. I'm looking forward to getting into them with you. Uh, we're going to get into all of them. And um, who knows, Freddie Mac Dre, are these two second round, these two, Third round running backs want to be washed out picks. And maybe that's something we talk about in some of these training camp videos. And uh, you won't want to miss those. So make sure you like, subscribe if you haven't already. Hit the notification bell. Share it with the rest of the faithful. Because we got lots of conversations, lots of topics coming your way that you're not going to want to miss out on. And the easiest way to not miss out on them, man, is to be subscribed and notified right here on YouTube. Or follow us on any of our other social media platforms, whether that's Facebook, whether that's Twitter, whether it's TikTok, or whether Instagram. it's uh, Instagram as well, or... Uh, any of our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any of our traditional podcast platforms as well, including iHeartRadio, uh, any of those, you will also be notified when stuff goes live. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of content out there, you know, and uh, we're going to be having a lot of fun over the next month because there are some legitimate conversations to be had. Um, it's just it's just good to talk about our team, and I think there's a lot of really good, cool storylines that go along with it. And I'm excited to get into those. And so be on the lookout for all that great content coming your way. And of course, there's some great content over on Patreon as well. If you would like to you know, engage in some you know, pretty unique content, because we have some of the most unique content over on Patreon. Uh, you got some interesting shows like Slightly Offsides and Hit or Miss that are over there. And you could always go back and go through every single one of our uh, big Yikes episodes or our 4 yards Cutback in Time. 4 yards Cutback in Time, we go through a lot of the old games and talk about you know the great moments in 49ers history, and there's some good ones. So all those are available over on Patreon if you're interested in that. If not, you're right here on YouTube, and we love having a conversation with you here. Uh, very, very, very accurate there. And BB50, oh, my God, guys, what? Oh, my God, guys, what? <laughs> Quickly before, before the show wraps, oh, my God, guys what i want to know yeah 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 yeah. let me know uh look there, there's a lot of a lot of stuff over on patreon and a lot of stuff here for channel members on youtube as well so make sure you're subscribed make sure if you want some of that extra content the best way is patreon but maybe you don't like going to another platform that's fine you can become a channel member here on youtube and get a lot of that same content at the same exact time they get it on patreon right here on youtube behind the paywall so make sure you join as well um look it's gonna be a lot of fun a lot of interesting conversations this week a lot of things happening bv50 we're wrapping up my guy so let us know in the comments we'll still see it but cut that crew until the next one stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers way, way.